if I'm on my phone for five hours a day, which is like the American adult American yeah, average before the pandemic, so it's mm -hmm. probably even more now. Oh. Five hours a day over the course of a year is two and a half months out of your year. Oh, gosh. Two and a half months of 24-7 waking time, potentially productive, potentially exercising, potentially connecting you know, with people, creating, expressing. being, creating community. That's a significant amount of time. Decompression is like smoothing out the kinks. So then you're going to start having a hunchback when you're doing this process because you have compression and it's getting exposed and it's going to slowly like start moving up your body. So like right now my neck is kind of where all my compression is. Like I'm kind of like unable to go like this because I'm working through the compression. And when you say compression, is that like the paraspinals are tight around certain areas of the vertebra or the vertebrae themselves are like uh, scoliotic or they're out? That's a good question. I think a lot of it's muscular, but also the structure itself. And a lot of it too is that the pelvis and the rib cage are going in different directions. I'm going to be adjusting my posture this oh whole my conversation. Don't worry about it. Well, Tommy, it's so great to have you. I listened to a podcast that you were on i think a few months ago and i think it was that's so retrograde and i oh, was cool. like this person is talking about everything that i'm passionate about and as someone that felt like when i moved to california i had to use my phone and my social media to grow my career at all i started seeing this issue of but my phone doesn't make me feel healthy. Mm -hmm. Like I don't feel mentally well from using my phone chronically and from going places with friends and feeling like I always have to pull up my phone to take a video of it. And I was like, this is a problem. And that's how all businesses start is finding a problem and then figuring out the solution. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your background and kind of how you fell into this world. Sure. Yeah. Well, first, thanks for having me. This is great. Of course. Thanks for reaching out. Um, I I mean, you, you just nailed it on the head. I, If anybody was addicted to their phone, it was me. Uh, I was on my phone for like 10 hours a day, every day as a film executive at a, at a movie studio. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought it was just my private shameful problem i thought that you know this was like maybe six or seven years ago i thought mm. i was the only one who couldn't put my phone down i thought i was the only one who would wake up in the middle of the night and check it for no reason and uh would like shamefully check it while driving and people mm -hmm. would just kind of like glare at me and so you know it finally got to a point to where I crashed into the back of someone's car when they were at a red light because I didn't notice. Yeah. And I felt just underaccomplished and overwhelmed in my job. Like I couldn't really move the needle. And I felt like no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't catch up with all of the... So I was in new media at this film company. I was trying to figure out, okay, what can this film studio do on Snapchat and Instagram and, and YouTube? Right. And so that felt like my job, like I had to be on it, mm -hmm. which is what I know a lot of people who are in social media, like influencers or social media managers or real estate agents, just like... Any so, kind of entrepreneur. Yeah, any kind of 
creator mm -hmm. or like business owner right. now needs to be in that space or they feel like they have this obligation to be in that space. Mm -hmm. And so I, I was like, enough is enough. Something has to change. I was like, if I don't change this five years from now, I'm going to still be anxious, overwhelmed, not having time for a relationship because yeah. I'd been just going on all these first dates all the time mm -hmm. and like was didn't have the time, didn't feel like I had the time or the energy to create something real. And mm. I knew that I was just unhappy. I was dissatisfied with where I was in life. And so luckily I had a background in neuroscience and I just started to apply some super rudimentary practices about the basics of behavior change and how habits were formed and how habits could be reformed on myself. Mm. Uh, like putting my phone away for an hour a day just to do something that I loved. And so for me, that was reading. And so I, you know, I have this bookshelf in my bedroom, which has got like 150 books on it. And reading is like my number one favorite thing. But for like years, I hadn't read a single book and I would just sit in bed scrolling and I feel like my bookshelf would just kind of like glare down at me being like, what the heck are you doing? Yeah. Like, because you knew deep down, exactly. you just couldn't let it go of it yet. Exactly. And I, I, I made that decision that I'm just going to spend one hour a day doing my favorite thing again, which is to read. And so over the course of that year, which was 2017, just doing that one thing, I ended up reading 28 books. And that was amazing, you know, from just like what I learned and, yeah. and just like the personal growth. There were a lot of like personal development books, but then also just like the agency that I felt, the sense of control that like I could actually put my phone down. I could, yeah. I could carve out time for myself to do something that was important to me. And that is what I now know is called a keystone behavior mm -hmm. where you create one behavior change and it creates this cascade of other positive behaviors. Mm. So by me taking that phone off that, that one hour off my phone at night and reading a book instead, I ended up sleeping better. Yeah. I ended up going to sleep earlier. I woke up more well-rested. I then had more time to make it's like breakfast. A domino effect. Yeah, yeah, it's a domino effect. Yeah. And so then I started to have more time in the morning and I started going to the gym before work. Whereas mm -hmm. before I would just sit in the morning and scroll yeah. for 45 minutes. And so that really made a huge impact on me. And I just started sharing that concept of like, hey, I challenge you, like a daily challenge. Can you turn your phone into a brick for an hour a day yeah. and do something that you love in the real world? And I, I just told like, you know, 20 friends, I was like, do you want to take this challenge? And yeah. they were like, yes. Yeah. And so uh, that is really how, how the brick movement started um, because so many other people started to feel the same space that, mm -hmm. that I was feeling, like feeling a sense of control. I know two people were like, ended up deleting Instagram because they realized the like consequences it had on them that they weren't even aware of. Right. Um, screenwriter, musicians, they all found that creative focus time that they realized they couldn't get while they were um, immersed in those distractions. I so. think everyone listening can relate so much to that. And if we have the power to create that reality of just constantly being on our phone, we have the power to change it. And I, I think it is hard sometimes because it is an addiction. Like I think people think of addiction and they think of cocaine and they think of all these other things, but 
it is addictive. Like, let's talk about neuroscience for a second. Okay. If I'm not mistaken, dopamine, there's this baseline and then there's peaks, right? So if you're always going on social media, constantly like scrolling and getting that dopamine, your peak and your baseline kind of start to come mm -hmm. together. And we kind of want that to be a decent distance, right? Yeah, I think the way I think about it is that we have become overstimulated by dopamine. Mm -hmm. And so when we have an increased presence of that neurochemical, then um, that then becomes our new baseline. Mm -hmm. And so when, and you look at kids, you know, that their brains are literally being formed with this kind of hyper dopagenic device. Yeah, yeah. Um, who knows what's happening in their brains? They're still me. figuring it out. But, yeah. <laughs> but for us, like that, that kind of overstimulated uh, state has become the new baseline. Yeah. And when you are kind of bathed in dopamine, dopamine is, we think that it's like a reward chemical. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like the common conception. It's like, oh, you're being rewarded with dopamine. It's like kind of candy for your brain. It feels good. And that that's true. But what it really is, it's a motivation chemical. Mm -hmm. So you, you probably know this, but it's it's getting you to do that behavior again. Right. And so once you are in that overstimulated state, it's like your thinking mind kind of turns off and you end up just becoming the dopamine. Yeah, <laughs> you're you just, like automatic, you're a robot yeah. in a way. Yeah, your your rational mind turns off. You're not saying things to yourself that you would otherwise, your conscious like mm -hmm. executive function, like your highest self would mm -hmm. be saying, which is like, I don't want to be checking my phone at right. 9 p.m. like right before going to bed or I don't want to be checking my phone in the middle of this dinner with people that I love or I don't want to be checking it while, you know, my kid is taking their first step. Like yeah. your thinking mind would be like, hold on a second, I want to be present now or I want to focus on my most important task. Mm -hmm. But you're not even thinking those thoughts because you're in the, the dopamine is, is taking over. Yeah. And so when you're in that kind of overstimulated state, um, it is emotional and your rational mind is just kind of turned off. Yeah. So. And can't you burn through your dopamine? Like from doing that for so long, doesn't burn through in the sense that like normal things that would maybe provide you that dopamine won't anymore. Yeah. It's like um, you become habituated to it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So like what might might have felt good or, or motivating before uh, after a while that doesn't create that same effect, the same like, yeah, positive feeling of like, Oh, I just like ate a donut. Yeah. Like, that exactly. tastes really good. Yeah. Now you need like three donuts to right. like, feel the same way. So you right. become desensitized to it. And that's, that's, I feel like that new baseline that so many of us are experiencing. We're like, when we're just on our phones, like I was for 10 hours a day, and that is our normal state that then becomes the new baseline. And then in order for you to feel good, you need something higher than that. Anymore. You need a new higher roller coaster. Yeah. You need a bigger high. You keep and then... setting the bar higher. Exactly. It's like when people run marathons or something like that event, afterwards you feel amazing for maybe that day, but then the like it brings you below baseline after oh, that. Really? And then you have to keep chasing something higher. And um, it's dopamine's really interesting to me because I was diagnosed with ADHD like 
had it as a kid and everything would just wake up eat cake mix dry just to like self-medicate with sugar 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 um and so i ostensibly have lower dopamine levels when mm. you have kind of that adhd brain and when i moved to california from wisconsin it was like yachts all these things all these new people this new experience this new place and i really did like burn out i just mm. did so much to to satisfy my first of all impulsivity and also just instant gratification mm -hmm. like anything that was just quick and like you said too going on all these first dates not mm -hmm. second dates not third mm -hmm. dates but many first dates because it was enthralling and exciting and then after some time i just whoosh, burned out mm -hmm. like a big burnout um and it was interesting because my phone started almost making me sick to look at like mm -hmm. it was just too much like you said it's just overstimulation and that's mm -hmm. how i started to feel um so dopamine's just really interesting what is it now that you do to help people with this because it is an addiction or just a lifestyle shift what do you do to help them yeah definitely and i mean i i definitely resonate with what you were just saying too and it does make sense in the scientific literature too that that when you have when you're exposed to novelty so like new events like there's a new yacht there's a concert yeah, like all yeah. these you know a new first date a new person to me that is kind of like a um super normal stimulus where it's like maybe maybe novelty is not a super normal stimulus but what we have novelty increases the dopamine reward uh but then what we also have in our phones is and this is true like with porn where you have a stimulus that doesn't exist in the real world right. that never existed that that is like truly hacking your dopamine pathway mm -hmm. and so it is just supercharging the amount of dopamine that's released in your brain that you can't really get any other way and if that's something that you get exposed to and this you know let's be real instagram is is like basically softcore porn too so For it's sure. not just like looking at pornhub there's like so many hyper normal stimulus yeah, that we're yeah. now exposed to mm -hmm. um and so if we're exposed to that when we're in a period of stress or some uncomfortable feeling that we don't want to feel anymore, that dopamine feels really good. And so that can become a learned behavior mm -hmm. that we then can spend an entire lifetime trying to try yeah. to unwind. unwind. So if we're using our phones, you know, we, we always say like, oh, I, I check my phone because I feel lonely and I want to see what my friends are up to, or like I feel FOMO, but like, there's usually something underneath that, yeah. which is that you're just feeling this uncomfortable emotion and mm -hmm. you don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. And so checking the phone just makes you feel it's better. It's like self-medicating. It's self it's self-soothing, it's yeah. self-medicating, it's 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 like emotional regulation. It and is. So, and it's so true. I think the irony of it all though is that we are more connected than ever, but we're so disconnected. It's not genuine and authentic connection we're not hugging and feeling energy between each other it's just this it doesn't seem primal or almost normal for humans to be connected all the time through this device like you go on a walk and a billion people can reach you still mm -hmm. isn't that just so weird it's very weird and it's something that's very 
uh, new. Like we haven't needed to deal with that challenge, for, you know, until the smartphone came out really. Yeah. And, and the, you know, the world was available in our pockets. And so, you know, I think the way I look at this is that digital wellness, like having these types of conversations, trying to be conscientious about how we use our devices in a way that serves us and makes us feel satisfied and good instead of like a slave to them yeah. and feeling unsatisfied and bad is we need to actually, so, so digital wellness is a practice. Like we yeah. need to actually practice it. Yeah. We didn't need to practice that 20 yeah, years that's ago. That's so true. Yeah. So it is new and it's kind of, I think of it as like the, the newest pillar of wellness. So mm -hmm. if you think of wellness as a whole, 60 years ago, life was pretty inconvenient. Like nobody had their own personal car. Uh, maybe public transportation was like there, but uh, there. <laughs> you lived kind of a less convenient life. There were fewer yep. conveniences. Like you had no delivery services. And so we lived a more active lifestyle just naturally. And 60 years ago, nobody like strapped on running shoes and went out for a run. Like if you saw somebody running on the street, you'd be like, what are they running away from? Like, it wasn't, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like a normal you? thing. Yeah, yeah. You'd be like, who's chasing them? Yeah. And there were no gyms. Like nobody needed a gym. Um, just life was that inconvenient. Yeah. We were that uh, physically active. And so it's only in the last 50, 60 years, you know, when Nike came out with the running shoe and we started having these increased conveniences and, you know, microwave food at home that we, we had this more increased sedentary lifestyle. And now it's like, okay, we need to carve out time for our physical wellness. That's so weird. For our mental health, our mm -hmm. emotional health, like our physical body. And, um, and now like there's a gym on like every corner. Right. And so physical wellness is like, the first pillar, I think, where yeah. we actually needed to be intentional about it because it didn't happen right. naturally in our day-to-day -day life. So that, that was where I feel like intentional wellness maybe started. And then the second pillar happened more recently, maybe with like the food revolution, mm -hmm. where, you know, 100 years ago, our grandparents, when they would eat an apple, like every apple was organic. Yeah, that's so true. Now you need to look at the labels and actually carve out time. You have to be time. intentional. You have to be intentional to be like, okay, if I don't pay attention to this, I might think that this plant-based yeah. meat is good for me. <laughs> but then you got to look at the But ingredient. then you realize, you know, that it's like got a hundred different processed foods. It yeah. might actually be worse yeah. than like actual meat. And so 100%. you have to put in time and effort and intention into like nutritional wellness. And so that was the second pillar. Otherwise you would eat a bunch of seed oils or like vegetable oil. And in a way we're becoming, it's becoming less convenient anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? What? Like we have all the conveniences, but now we have to be more yeah. intentional and work harder to sift through what's actually good for us. Exactly. So it's like still inconvenient in a it, way. It's, it, like the inconveniences have shifted. Like yeah. there's, it's like net the same, Yeah. but now we need to be individually more responsible. Right. Whereas before, uh, yeah, it's like shifted. That, yeah. That's so true. And yeah. so, um, and then the, the third pillar I think of as like emotional wellness where it's only in the last 15, 20 years where it went from feeling like yoga was for yogis yeah. and, you and know, meditation and monks, was for yeah, like monks. yoga moms. Yeah. yeah. Like to being something that 
everybody kind of feels like they need to have some sort of meditation or, I mean, not everybody, therapy but or therapy. something. Yeah. Yeah. When I was a kid, I remember therapy was so taboo. Me too. And like now, and I you, went. <laughs> yeah. Now you talk about therapy on your first yeah. date. Yeah. That's so yeah. true. I'm like so, green flag. <laughs> I'm like green flag. If green they flag, say yes. I go to therapy. Yes, it's exactly. A good thing. Yeah. And so there's been a whole shift there of like, uh, carving out that time for your inner wellness, like yeah. getting your inner world, cleaning up your side of the street emotionally. And so, you know, what has come to that today, I believe, is digital wellness, where we need to now like carve out that time and be intentional about that as well. So it's only yeah. with like all four of those components. And, you know, you could say there's like a social wellness pillar mm. there too, where like if we don't carve out the time to actually community. be with people in person. Community. Yeah. And have feel a sense of community and belonging and that you're like rooting for people and other people are rooting for you. That's what the brick community aspect is is all about. Where like we go off the grid together. So cool. we like spend a week you know, off our phones with a bunch of leaders or uh, founders or people who really are devoted to self-mastery. And we go on a retreat to a beautiful place and, you know, really reconnect with ourselves and yeah. get clear on what really matters. And so, yeah. And I feel like that shows people that their world on their phones is not comparable to the world and connection and community that you can have with real people. Exactly. Like they don't feel lonely there probably. They probably feel the least lonely they've ever felt yeah. despite being off the map and no way of contacting the outside world. Like they probably feel the most sense of community that they've ever felt. Yeah, we reach out to our phones to feel a sense of camaraderie or connection. Security. Yeah, security. But our phones are really bad at giving us that. 100%. It's super surface. Like how many people that you know just through instagram or tiktok can you ask to help you move right like <laughs> oh my gosh that's such a great point like i know people that de have deleted their instagrams and some people ask them like well don't you worry about people not being able to contact you and she was like my friends know my number they can call me and ask me to hang out and it's so true who are your real friends that's mm -hmm. real like genuine and deep it's not it shouldn't be quantity it should be depth and I feel like the concept of deleting Instagram or deleting social media kind of has like an assumed finality to it. Like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm deleting it and that means I'm deleting it forever. And right. you actually don't need to delete it forever to no. get all of the benefits. Yeah. I, I was off of it for about a year and I'm back on it now. And like, I'm really glad that I did that. But li life has seasons. Like you can just, you can get the focused undistracted time and just live like a little bit of like hibernate and have a little bit of a smaller circle if you want to and not showcase everything that you're doing all the time and that could be what you want and then you could have a different season where you've like written that book that you were working on or you you know you're ready to be more social and then being on social media makes more sense for you so yeah. it's not kind of like binary to me right. i don't There's think no it's all or nothing yeah. yeah i think i find similarities with that and when people say i'm gonna quit alcohol or i'm gonna go sober like there's a lot of um shame that comes with that when they do go out with their friends and then they do have that drink or you know, there's such a black and white. Mm -hmm. And like you said, life is ebbs and flows, there's seasons. And sometimes we put too much pressure on ourselves to make something black and white. And then we resent ourselves when we can't fulfill such mm -hmm. a black and white decision. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. 
I agree. Yeah, it's true. It's really tough. And like this challenge in particular of digital wellness, we could call it healthy digital habits, being intentional with your, your screen time. I do think of it much more like challenges with food Mm-hmm. than challenges with alcohol or cigarettes where like with alcohol cigarettes you know often the common solution is that like mm-hmm. pure abstinence mm-hmm. and that seems to work for most people you know mm-hmm. but everybody has to eat right so when hard. when yeah. you're feeling like you're overeating or you're undereating or you've got some like you're being unintentional with your with your food like it's really more about balance and like getting clear on what those urges are that are making you act out and do something that makes you feel worse after like the self-soothing so the phone is more like that yeah that's a better comparison you need to use your phone at least most people feel like they do i could argue maybe some people don't (laughs) but that it's really more finding that balance it's not pure abstinence from the phone yeah that is the solution for most people and that's okay yeah that's a way better comparison because you do have to eat and i feel for people it's like disordered eating and all of that that's tough because you do have to eat you can't just cut it out of your life completely and then have time to heal the the mental processes behind all of that Mm. but the phone is always usually with us unless Mm -hmm. you don't use one but what are some things that you do personally and you don't have to go into depth with your program because we don't want to give too much away but things that people can do even now just start besides like one hour a day what are some other things for just the digital hygiene side of things yeah totally i mean i think that what is incredibly important for me personally especially right now is to make sure the first hour or two of my day are phone free the easiest way to do that is to design your environment in your home to make being phone free the default, mm-hmm. making it easy and almost impossible for you to check your phone. Like an alarm clock or something? An alarm clock, yeah. inst- you know, because most people check their phone as their alarm clock. So if you just get an alarm clock in your bedroom, then you don't really have a need to keep your phone in your bedroom. Mm-hmm. I charge my phone in my office. And I even have an app that prevents me from using anything on my phone, even if I wanted to. That's amazing. What's so, this app called? It's called Freedom. Oh, it's wow. Great name. name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the OG app blocking software. It was okay. around before even the smartphone came out for screenwriters who wanted to like focus on their Microsoft Word document amazing. without like going off and my brain would love that yeah yeah no it's super helpful because when something's impossible like just knowing that it's impossible yeah you don't even think about your subconscious mind doesn't even consider those kind of unconscious processes that are like oh should i just check it real quick or like oh i want to you can't i'm low on milk like maybe i should go buy that you know just make a note real quick like you can't it doesn't even ask those questions that's so true that's like real quick aside when i got surgery in december i am a big workout person just it makes me feel good it makes me feel like i'm focused and i can work throughout the day but when i got surgery i couldn't work out and i'm someone that will like push myself too much (laughs) like sometimes i i don't know when to rein it back a little bit but this was such an invasive surgery that I found it actually very easy because I literally couldn't like I was Mm -hmm. in too much pain and healing like that acceptance is so important 
it just you, you can't even ask the question you can't dwell on it or think about it or feel tempted yeah. by it if it's like out of the question yeah there you go yeah and that's i mean that's such a perfect example so true like if you just fully accept that you know i can't exercise you're not even gonna be wondering like oh should i just push mm -hmm. through it it's just like not even yeah not even a possibility I think that one great way to do that when it comes to being present to focus on what really matters is if you're in a meeting, you can just go and leave your phone in the car or so you leave your phone in the other room. Like yeah. it is a cliche, but it's true that out of sight is out of mind. Mm -hmm. And there's studies that you might have seen that show that just having your phone near you, even if you're not going to check it, even if you have the willpower and the grit to not check your phone, you're less present. You're less present. You're, the quality of your work is reduced. If you're in a social scenario, you actually feel less connected to the people. It's making me actually feel a little guilty that our phones are I know. Right I'm there. like, oh, can we just throw <laughs> them over there? But there's a true effect that's measurable, yeah. um, even if it's not actively used. And I feel it. I mean, if I'm out to dinner with friends, even if I face it down, I'll always glance at it just like, huh, I wonder if it buzzed or like it's you're just not as connected. Yeah. It doesn't feel as intimate. It doesn't feel as genuine. It's crazy. And that's that's why I really enjoy creating space where everyone is off their phone. Like mm -hmm. it's one thing and it's great, but it's like one thing to like be that person at and the no dinner where you're not on your phone. Um. It can be difficult and hard and there can be the conversations kind of like, oh, why are you not drinking? You know, it's like, oh, why are you not? Why, where's your phone? Or, you know, but when you're surrounded by a bunch of other people who've also chosen that, even if it That's might true. be uncomfortable for them, even if they might be feeling withdrawal or like feeling stressed out, when you're creating this like temporary phone free community, everybody just kind of drops in. And it's beautiful. We, we've had like, yeah, incredible experiences like one guy was like uh who came on one of our retreats he was like i never remember anyone's name and within the first two days he's like i realized i effortlessly knew everybody's name everyone can relate to that i can't tell you how many people i meet that are like i'm so bad at names and it's because we are always like halfway in this other world yeah. we're not in this reality it's so weird yeah that's beautiful it's so harmonious too when everyone's energy is just present and not in that other world it oh. just makes it easier there's kind of just like an unspoken support where yeah. like we're kind of all in it together yeah uh, so how many people go to these things i would say the we've had up to 55 people all oh, in one like so cool. area in joshua tree this like 150 acre uh like camping area that was our first retreat um more recently like the one that we have coming up in about three months in september is going to be about 20 people max nice um and we rented out like at this beautiful resort and it's got like you know four infinity pools and everyone's gonna have their own casita um on this cliff overlooking an ocean uh, overlooking this beautiful bay oh. in mexico in uh, oaxaca mexico and so that's gonna be really special like eight days of uh leaders and founders and people who just really want to say no to distractions and focus on what really matters we're going to wow. just have this create that temporary phone free community in a beautiful place and 
get clarity on where we really want to go in life. Like what yeah. is our vision just to zoom out? Cause we, it's so difficult to do that in the day to day. Yeah. Well, also having just like amazing adventures, like going out on a boat and, and, uh, I mean, I don't want to give away too many secrets, but <laughs> you know, going out into nature yeah. and like cultural experiences, like that area of Mexico is just so beautiful and diverse and you know with forests and national what parks and just incredible food you know the mm -hmm. Oaxacan food and the mole is just the best oh so. that sounds like a dream trip and like you said it's so hard to zoom out when we're literally zoomed in and when our focus is so tunneled and like i don't know the neuroscience behind it specifically but our brain chemistry changes when we're always like that it's like our peripherals just shut off and when you're out in nature it's so grounding mm -hmm. and we all know like anxiety and things like that have ostensibly gotten worse mm -hmm. over time obviously we don't know if it's from or caused by technology or phones or things like that but i do think that nature is so important for our well-being just being in it doesn't even have to be nature it could be going into the city and like really taking in the smells and the people and the tree and the building, like all of these things, that's the real world. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we've gotten to this place where our world has become two by six inches. And that's more interesting to us than everything out here. And I don't want to look back on my life and be like, my world was that small. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe you should come on the trip. <laughs> I know. I'm like, <laughs> but, where can I sign up? But, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, there's also research on that too, that just being in nature, specifically without your phone, it reduces the amount of uh, activity in the brain in the areas related to stress. And, you, you know, you can actually see and feel the difference in presence and like expansion that you get when you are in nature. And it's just so simple. It's so, everything that you've talked about throughout this podcast for tips have been things that are free, like leaving your phone in the other room. Okay, alarm clock, it's $10, so yeah, maybe not exactly. free. But like everything is so easy and simple and very cheap. And another thing that I do, I don't mean to pull this out, but I have my phone in black and white. Oh, and it yeah. just- Does that help? Everyone thinks I'm crazy. People use my phone to take a picture and they're like, why is it all in black and white? Uh -huh. This is so ugly. And then I'll be GPSing somewhere and people are like, how do you even know where you're going? And it helps so much. That's like cool. it is so not enticing to me. And there's nothing on there that's more beautiful than the real world to mm -hmm. me. Like mm -hmm. none of the colors, cause there aren't any. Yeah. Like we see these artificial colors that are not natural to our brains they're just produced and there's no level of just observing the beauty outside of mm -hmm. that and i don't know i it's been life-changing for me i'm so glad you do that yeah. yeah uh that's a good idea i haven't been on the grayscale in a while it's hard when you're a creator or you have to yeah if you need color yeah, yeah it's tough yeah. but honestly like like I said, to me, it made me realize, like, even if I post something on Instagram, I'm like, it's kind of funny. I'm like, oh, I hope this color color looks good mm. because I can't see it anyway. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't need to see it because I saw it for me mm -hmm. in the real world for what it was and all that it is. That's amazing that you're able to do that. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I guess, yeah, I guess a lot of people think I'm crazy, but I love it. 
And when I turn it back on, I literally just, I'm like, oh, it's too much. It just feels like too much. I mean, you're seeing, you're like on this elimination diet and you're realizing like the effect that it does have. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, we talked about it being simple. The, the solutions are very simple. But it's not always easy. And that's where I think the... Like getting support from other people really comes into play because yeah. it's very what is easy is to just say oh everyone else is on their phone all the time like i don't like the idea that my screen time is like seven hours this week when you see that you know notification every sunday but it's very easy to just not do anything about it that's what's easy what's yeah. hard is to think through the difficult conclusions of being like oh shoot if i'm on my phone for five to seven hours a day if i'm on, if i'm on my phone for five hours a day which is like the american adult american yeah, average before the pandemic so it's mm -hmm. probably even more now Ugh. five hours a day over the course of a year is two and a half months out of your year oh gosh two and a half months of 24 7 waking time potentially productive potentially exercising potentially connecting you know, with people creating expressing. being creating community that's a significant amount of time and and so that um doing something about that can often be the hardest part like creating a sense of commitment to being like i need to change yeah and so um you know, it's why information is everywhere. Like we have more access to information. There's so many free tips and tools mm -hmm. for anything you'd want on YouTube. Why are like for fitness videos, for example, yeah. like there's every single kind of workout video you could possibly have for free. Yep. Why is not everybody in their best shape? Yeah. Because information is not enough. No. Information. It can you, be overwhelming too. It can be overwhelming. You like learn it. You see what it is. But if you don't actually take the actions, the aligned actions, and you don't do them consistently when you have a bad day or when, you know, you're super busy. Like if you don't, if you don't actually take the information and bring it into apply your life it, yeah. and apply it, then that's even more wasted time. Mm-hmm. So like focusing on the things that actually allow you to take that aligned action, like transformation, mm -hmm. that's what I feel like coaches can help with or mentors, yeah. yeah, accountability partners, or like surrounding yourself in a community of other people mm -hmm. who have the habits that you want. It's so true. And I think the hard part about this is like you said, it is such a i shouldn't say normal it's common it's not normal to be a human and on a device like that all the time five hours a day but it's so common and so people feel probably like they're swimming upstream a little bit or mm -hmm. they're kind of a standout and it's like when cigarettes were so big you know it was so normal and the people that were like no this is so bad for you they probably got some heat for that and then with phones i think it's going to be similar and i think you've talked about that before just how it is hard because right now there aren't a lot of you, Tommy. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna not sugarcoat it. There's not a lot of people like you. Mm. There's not a lot of people that like their phone in black and white. Um, but it's one of those things where if you recognize something is maybe not serving you or maybe even causing harm to you, it's 
finding the people that you look up to, like you said, mm -hmm. coaches, mentors, groups, people that are doing what you're looking for, or at least have achieved what you want to achieve. Yeah. And by surrounding yourself with the people who have the habits that you want, you know, you're just way more likely to be able to follow through and like it's get so inspired true. and stay motivated when like you take two steps forward, one step back or mm -hmm. um, lose that motivation altogether. Yeah. And I think the, a lot of people are feeling that I've talked to recently, a lot of people are kind of going through a very pivotal part of their lives. Like whether it's a burnout, a breakup, I don't know what's in the air, but this is been happening so much lately probably the pandemic brought some of this on too just like really exposed us and cracked us open in mm -hmm. different ways whatever that way may be for everyone and some people are feeling hopeless or like they can't create or they can't express themselves and getting away from my phone personally helps me do that so much like we just have so much going in Mm -hmm. And we have nothing that we're creating and letting flow out. And I think that's kind of the point of meditation too, is giving that your brain a space to do that and like find peace between our words and find silence. And it's used to just getting bombarded. And I think to create and to rebuild ourselves and grow, we need that separation from something that's inundating us all the time. Absolutely. Like to uh, Jim Quick talks about this, who's a, who's a, great coach he talks about how you know our entire days is bombarded by inputs whether it's the news texts everything yeah. everything's an input uh so we need to carve out and this is why i was saying this is what i do in the mornings to carve out a specific amount of time even if it's just like one to two hours a day for output yeah like the whole rest of the day can be input rescheduling yeah. making dinner plans whatever that is but if you don't have that time to focus on how you really feel like the time for maybe neither input nor output but just yeah. like being yeah there's like the neutral time yeah and then the output time that i believe personally is the recipe for the anxiety and the burnout and the depression that we're seeing, the mental health uh, epidemic yeah, that it we're is. experiencing today. Yeah, it is. It's a today. crisis. And I, exactly what you said, when we are not present, we are ignoring how we feel aligned. We're ignoring signs from our body that maybe something isn't right for us. And I truthfully think that's what led to my burnout with all of my mm. neurodivergent behaviors and like the quick impulsivity and all of that. But I wasn't listening to what truly brought me joy. I was mm. listening to people pleasing temptations and just like trying to make everyone happy and just scattering myself everywhere for quick, quick instant gratification. But I wasn't listening to my body i wasn't listening to what i really wanted and what really brings me joy and how i feel aligned like alignment is so big and if we are just always letting things flow in how do we assess what feels right that we're intaking mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. we can't because it's just there's no peace or silence it's like other people's energy exactly we're filled with everyone else's energy and everyone else's intention there's no space for our own yeah we don't even we're not even aware of what we really want or how we really feel yeah so I'm, I'm curious to know what what do you feel like helped you 
make that switch. So like, you know, you seem very intentional now. <laughs> you seem like you have a lot of time that you spend on the things that are fulfilling you. Mm -hmm. What, like if you were able to boil it down into maybe like one thing, what would you feel like helped you make that transition? I had to crash. Rock bottom? I had to hit it. I had to hit it so hard. It scared the living crap out of me. And it was probably the worst thing I've ever been through. And I've obviously been through, like I had breast implant illness and surgeries and all wow. of that. And I thought that was the rock bottom. And then I was like, oh boy, I was wrong. It came a few months later. Cause wow. it just was, it just finally caught up to me. And it's so funny you ask, cause I knew for years the day would come. Hmm. I knew I was like pushing things that I didn't truly really want to do or be at or, that didn't really align with me. And I was doing it because I thought I had to, or I should. Mm -hmm. And I was doing it because I'm like, oh, I'm in my twenties. I should be wanting to do this. I should want to go out and party, even though I don't really drink. Like I should want to go do these things and I would push it. And then I eventually got to my breaking point where my body wouldn't let me, like it wasn't even a choice. It was just, it just wouldn't let me do anything. And I had to just sit in it and really think about what I did to get there and then what I need to do to avoid it happening. Mm -hmm. And it, the answer was aligning with myself and listening to who I really am. And yes, I'm very different from a lot of people my age, but I have to feel empowered by that and okay with it. And for so long, I think I was trying to fit into the world instead of making my world fit with me, mm -hmm. you know? So it just was hitting rock bottom. And you hit rock bottom too, I assume. I did. We and hit it a few times. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, a few bottoms, half bottoms. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, I love that story. I relate to that personally, you know, with what I shared too. And I feel like that is, that is the journey to awakening. Like the, for everyone that's like going through that breakup or burnout or layoff. Yeah. Um, it's deaf. If it's not, it's not happening to you. It's happening for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, to be aware of that, even at the time, like it, I feel like we all can see this in hindsight. Yes. And that's like nice. <laughs> but if we could actually expect that to say, hey, actually by me, like if things are really, really bad right now in whatever way we define them, that is actually helping us. That breakdown is going to lead to the next breakthrough. Yeah. And I think expecting that, acknowledging that, and even like appreciating that, that is what I feel like I wish I had when I was going through it. Cause that can make it, so much worse to feel mm -hmm. like because you feel it's hopeless. never going to get better mm -hmm. yeah like am i going to be like this forever yeah. is our thing like and you can actually create a belief systems around the trauma that you experience during these kind of paths to rock bottom yeah. and you don't want that to you don't want to create conclusions and and um beliefs that make you jaded or uh then like limit you when things when you when you start to like come out of that cocoon you know when when it's ready for you to go from that you know metamorphosis from caterpillar to, to butterfly 
It's so beautiful and so true. And if I'm being honest, the only thing I think that got me out of it faster than it would have if I didn't believe that was the idea that someday I'm going to be like, huh, that all made sense. And I just knew that. And I called my mom. My parents live in Wisconsin. I'm very far from family. So like it was tough. And I called her crying and I was like, if this hurts so bad, why does it feel so beautiful? Like hmm. it was like the first time in my life that I was fully present hmm. because before I was just distracting myself. And when you have physical pain and like fatigue and all of that, you're forced to be present. It's like your body's almost like knocking on you saying, hey, we're right here. Mm -hmm. Like you're in pain mentally and physically. And it was the most present I'd ever been. And also helped me realize that like, there's so many versions of myself. There's like versions seconds ago, years from now, like there's so many of me. And I know there's like a future Steph saying, just wait, like you're gonna be fine. This was all- The best is yet to Yeah, come. exactly. Yeah. So like I was comforted almost by my future self wow. in a weird way. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, as a last little topic, um, something that gets brought up a lot in my friend circles and just people I talk to is the whole dating app thing and how it's kind of changing how our brains work with finding people that we want to marry or even just date or like people are like, I don't know if I'll ever love someone. They're worried because mm. it's like when you constantly have the novelty, the next best thing, like it's wiring our brains to just be kind of swiping and looking for the next best thing. Yeah. What do you think is going on with that? Like, I have do, a lot of thoughts you, here. Yeah, please go off. I mean, let's be real. Uh, what happens when you open a dating app? I actually haven't been on them for like five years, so maybe they've changed. But <laughs> when I was using them, every single one, when you would open up the app, where would you go? You wouldn't go to your matches. That's so true. To the conversations that you already had like you would when you were opening a messaging app, it goes to the next face, hmm. you know? Yeah. So these apps are designed to continue to expose you to new people. And that's by design. That is, they understand the, the dynamics of how the brain works and yeah. this kind of persuasive technology that uh, is using novelty and um uh to, to to give us dopamine to be like oh let me it's way more about that feeling you get when there's a new match yeah than anything else yeah than like establishing a deep true connection, connection. yeah mm -hmm. so with that being said i'm not saying dating apps are bad yeah some people get married from them yeah i've <laughs> had many many friends create um, I mean, I've had many great relationships arise from mm -hmm. dating apps, whether it's romantic or otherwise. Mm -hmm. But I think just like acknowledging what they really are and how they really work is important. Mm -hmm. um, that they're, they definitely, I mean, I don't think they should be the only method by which you like try to meet other people and it can be very difficult. But um being aware that it is highly dopagenic. And dopamine, yeah. remember, is this kind of endlessly searching neurochemical. Yeah. So and apply that to real life when you're dating. It's like maybe you meet someone, but then you're like, but 
What else is out there? There's always that grass is greener Mm -hmm. that, you know, and, and the way that the brain works is we have what I call, there's commonly called like the reward center, Mm -hmm. which is where our brain gives us dopamine. And then we have our like thinking mind, which is where we have like our CEO, like our high level command center, executive function. And when the reward system is activated, like I just got a new match um, or I see a pretty face, when that reward system's activated, these two parts of our brain are always at odds with each other. So it the reward system kind of takes control. It takes over. Right. So now your rational mind has turned off and you're not thinking, oh, like, how am I going to... Like, what do I, what about what you really want, which is to like, maybe raise a family at some point right, or right. like have something real. Right. And now you're thinking like, oh, I want, you're, you're in that kind of, because it's instant. dopamine's taken over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The instant gratification, you, you're, you're not even thinking, you're just feeling. Mm, interesting. So that is, I don't know the solution to getting out I of that, know. except to take significant periods away from that, or maybe when you're meet someone on a dating app to immediately switch to text mm-hmm. so that you're not susceptible to it's like you don't want to try to eat healthy food inside a candy store <laughs> it's like you're yeah. when you're feeling Your salad's stressed not gonna look that great yeah exactly yeah, you're yeah. always going to grab some yeah, Reese's pieces exactly. yeah oh that's <laughs> like, candy thank you god yeah. you said Reese's anyway. <laughs> yeah so it's kind of like if you think about designing your environment again, like if you're going to design your home to focus on being phone free in the morning, how can you design your dating life to be focusing on the things that you want to pay attention to? Like, oh, here's five new people that I just met that I'm like potentially interested in. Let me like just see how that goes before going back to the pool. Yeah. And there's some people that don't even meet people in real life off the dating apps. They just like that the matching and the messaging and that that excitement and that's i think the biggest problem overall with the phone is it makes people think that the real world isn't good enough Mm -hmm. and it is and i think love is just beauty and beauty's in everything like everyone trees people like Mm. grass you can find it in everything but we just are so used to seeing things on there that kind of take over how we can see that in mm-hmm. other people. And I think everyone has it. And beauty is love. Like, that's how you feel love. They're the same thing. Mm-hmm. And to find it in everything you're passing by in the real world, that's how you feel that again. It's not by just constant dopamine on your phone. Yeah. Well, for the people, you know, me included at some point in my life, you know, for the people who are kind of, lost in it mm-hmm. currently um what's good about that is that maybe that's what you need to experience maybe that is your getting to your kind of rock bottom of sorts of not appreciating real life yeah. of feeling disconnected of yeah. being hyper stimulated to the phone and all of its distractions maybe you need to have that happen I think everyone for does. you to then have that motivation to just decide like i want something real and then that's where you 
you you know your mess becomes your your message it does. you know your pain becomes your purpose just like us yeah i truly think you have to feel really big discomfort to force change sometimes like i i know i don't know why humans are like that but sometimes it does take the drastic things for us to change and grow so um it's natural you know we're it's path of least resistance mm -hmm. we, we it's it's energy conservation right we want to do the things that have worked before right we want to right. do what's easy yeah. and that is biological evolution and mm -hmm. that's okay but we need to make sure it doesn't get the best of us and use it to our advantage yeah yeah well i think we're coming up on time but where can people join your community or even just learn more about what you do and all the things that you have provided for people yeah. to just make their lives better definitely uh you can join the community at gobricknow.com uh and if you're interested in our upcoming retreat we are uh taking new uh applications now nice. for a couple more weeks and that's you can find on the website mm -hmm. um and when you do sign up, you'll get, and you subscribe and join the community, you'll get a bunch of like free resources and tips and tricks. And there's even a, a assessment that you can take that's free that allows you to figure out how much control you have over your phone. I call it the phone smart quiz. So, you know, are you using your phone in a way that's serving you or is it, uh, is your phone kind of smarter Is your phone you? using you? <laughs> Yeah. That's amazing. And thank you so much for coming You're on. You're so welcome. Oh, this was it's a pleasure. And I'm so glad so we got fun. to do this. Good to talk. Yeah. Much and longer. how are you feeling? Are you better from COVID? Did you have COVID? I did. Yeah. That yeah, I'm I'm totally fine. Yeah. I never even came up positive. Oh it my gosh. Like, He's yeah, fine. That was fine. He's amazing. All right. Well, thanks again. Thank you so much. Oh.